0: Well, this morning we began to look at the text in Matthew chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. Uh, It's titled, The Parable of the Wedding Feast. And this morning we're going to look at the first seven verses. And specifically what this says about these are, "Are These the ones that got the invitation, yet they would not come to the feast. And uh, uh, we haven't, by the grace of God, we've not lived under a kingship. Uh, but uh, when the king asks you to come to the wedding feast, you come. And if you don't come, there's uh, the threat of death, and you're not coming. So this was a, this was a pretty big deal, and so uh, that's what we're looking at this morning. So I'm going to read the first seven verses again this morning. Matthew 22, verse 1. And Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son and sent his servant to call those who were in what invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. And he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they paid no attention went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. May the Lord bless the reading of his Word. So chapter 22, we take up the parable of the marriage of the king's son. Three things that I want you to think about over the next few weeks. That all of those that were invited to the wedding feast were unworthy to be invited. That's a good word for us. When the Lord invited us to become followers of Jesus, we were all unworthy when those wouldn't come there were others called in their place listen when the when the when the lord gets ready to have a feast there there won't be a lack for people being there he's going to get his crowd there amen when he has his feast the punishment of the one that came without a wedding garment and it is significant punishment So those are the kind of the overriding principles as we look at this parable. Now this parable was to speak of the gracious invitation of the gospel message. None of us deserve to be invited to follow the King of kings and the Lord of lords. What we deserve was death, hell, and eternal punishment. And I also want you to see from this parable... The indifferent and even arrogant way men and women respond to the invitation. People people do not respond to the invitation properly many times. Many times we are indifferent and many of us have been arrogant in that we had better things to do than to respond to the invitation. It also clearly teaches that hell is the eternal end for any and all who might trust in anything outside the righteousness of Christ. Now, let me say that again. It's pretty, it's pretty wordy, but it's pretty, pretty deep. Okay, the eternal end for any who might trust in anything outside the righteousness of Christ is an eternal, awful hell. So we need to respond to Christ and to his work on the cross. This parable is to inform those to whom he spoke of a sudden destruction coming upon the Jews for the rejection of the gospel and the calling of the Gentiles. There was a destruction coming upon the Jews and it happened in A.D. 70 and we need to understand that. It was to warn the people that this was coming. It was a... It was a warning of something that was going to happen pretty quickly. This parable is to show us that not all who heard the gospel call outwardly would be saved. Not all would be saved who heard the gospel call. Only those alone who belonging to the election of grace should be found in the day of judgment having on the white right wedding garment. John six thirty seven. all that the Father has given to me will come to me, and all that those that come to me will, Stephanie's song, will never be cast aside. So there's a tension between the sovereignty of God and the responsibility of man to come, and this parable teaches this. So today we're going to look at the first seven verses. Those who would not come to the wedding feast. So let's look at the uh, scripture verse by verse. Verse 1, And again Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, Okay, so God, through the, through the Lord Jesus Christ, was gracious to the people, and again He used a parable, a parable that they would understand to do teaching. Jesus was not to be deterred. He kept on ministering, regardless of the responsibility of the people, and He also kept His face like flint headed towards Jerusalem and the cross. He had business to do, and he was about doing that business. And to their benefit, he used parables that they might understand. Now look at verse 2. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. Everybody can surely read these parables that we've been looking at and going to look at. They're not difficult to understand. It's pretty obvious to anyone that's a Bible reader, anyone that knows about the Father, the Son, and uh, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb and those kind of things understand this picture. But it was probably even more obvious to them. So the kingdom of heaven here signifies the coming of God through the gospel, the Lord Jesus Christ. And the king mentioned is the king of kings, the Lord himself. The marriage for his son is the exhibition of the covenant of grace by which followers of Jesus are united to Christ. We are are actually united to the Lord Jesus Christ. And this wedding feast symbolizes that. The picture of marriage symbolizes that. We are actually united with Christ. And the union is often expressed as a marriage. You've got the scripture right there in front of you. Revelation nineteen nine. And the angel said to me, write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So the marriage supper of the Lamb is when we become united with Christ as in a marriage. We are united with Him. Ephesians five twenty three. For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and he himself is the Savior. So the marriage is a picture of our being united to Christ, each one of us. We are in him. When we are married to Christ, we become one with him. We are one with him. And this was a grand event that was going to happen in this earthly king and his son being married. Now, the king was planning to celebrate it, and it was going to be celebrated properly. Are you all with me? Now, the consummation of all of this, when the Lord comes back and the celebration will be, regardless of those that have rejected the gospel throughout the year, the, the planned celebration, the way it's all going to happen, it, it's going to go on regardless of what the people do. It's going to be a celebration, At the wedding feast, this wedding feast, and when we are married to Christ, it puts additional honor upon the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. This is a big deal. So, Jesus Christ, not only was He equal in glory with the Father, but now He has been crowned as Redeemer, Savior, and Mediator. So, Jesus Christ is more and more... Greatness heaped upon him for who he is and what he does. Verse 3. And he sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast. So they sent out invitations. Uh, you know, I think about now you get this invitation, to save the date. Okay, so they got one of those save the date invitations. This, this wedding's going to happen. Just put it on your calendar. It's going to happen. We'll get back with you. Okay, we'll get back with you. So that happened. But it says, they would not come. Now, the persons invited were the Jews and religious leaders. They were invited. The servants that called them to the wedding were those that were faithful amongst their ordinary teachers or the prophets such as Isaiah and the rest. Maybe even John the Baptist and the apostles were the ones that came for the next call and shouted out, the day for the wedding feast has arrived. It's kind, of like the, it's kind of like preachers today, uh, preaching to the people and saying, the day is the day of salvation. They keep, keep giving out the invitation, come, come to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And that's a continual call that goes out, and it will continue to go out until Christ returns. That's the time that we're in. Out of all the nations, the Jews were invited to attend the wedding of the king's son. Right here, we're we here, we're at the death of Christ and all this is going down. But it says there, four little words. They would not come. And, and it, it happens day after day. All throughout the world where the gospel is preached. Are y'all with me? The gospel is preached, and there are those that will not come. And, and I'll just tell you, as a pastor, that's a scary thing. They would not come. Matthew Henry says this, None were excluded, but those that exclude themselves. Let me say that again none were excluded but those that excluded themselves they were invited they could have come and when they didn't come it was upon them and that responsibility so in this not coming they reveal their disloyalty to the king they disobeyed His commands. They displayed their obvious dislike for the Son. They were disrespectful to the messengers. They were not wise. This just happens to be one of the scriptures that I have memorized, and, and I thought about it all week long. And this is in Proverbs 16, 14, you have it there. A king's wrath is a messenger of death, but a wise man will appease it. So, the wise man in this situation, okay, would have come to the wedding feast. I just want you to remember this. If an ordinary citizen had invited them to a wedding feast for their son, right, they would have had an option. But when the king invites you to a wedding feast, You don't have an option. In other words, there was not on there an RSVP. I will not be able to attend. Because the king had invited them. Now let's go to verse 4. Again, he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. It's here. I mean, everything's ready. Everything's perfect. And now we're ready for the wedding feast. Come on. Come on to the wedding feast. So these other servants might signify John the Baptist. Maybe the 12 apostles. Maybe it was others that was sent out by Christ. Right? They sent others out. The king is here. The son has arrived. The Savior is here. The Messiah is here. And they went out to tell them that Christ was now come. Now look, this king was patient. He was patient. He, he wanted to make it so everyone could come. The Lord, you know, he, he, uh, he, he is, uh, He's taking His time about coming back. Amen? We've been waiting 2,000 years, right? He's patient in coming back. Why? Listen. It may be for you today. He's being patient so you can come to Christ. Just in case someone had overlooked the invitation, or maybe they had overlooked it, not only had they overlooked it, but, but they thought, you know what? I really ought to go to that thing. You ever had those? You ever had those thoughts? You know, you you well, you know, you have two couple of different thoughts. You make these commitments to go to something, and then the day that it comes up, you think, "Man, I wish I hadn't have done that." Anybody else done that besides me? I mean, I wish I had not said yes. Well, there are so, those, those times that something comes up, and you think, "You know what? I really ought to go to that." He just wanted to give them those opportunities. Okay. Maybe there were some looking for another invitation. They, maybe they'd misplaced it, they'd forgot about it, whatever the case may, it, it might have been. He says, go and tell those who are invited to come. The banquet is prepared. Now look, the, 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 the gospel has been laid out very clearly today in everything we've done. And, and the day of salvation has been preached And the word today is come. Divine grace has been on display all day today. And for you that might have come in, came in when we started, came in a little bit bit late, the divine grace has been on display here. But Look at verse 5. Oh, church, look at verse 5. Young people, look at verse 5. But they paid no attention, and went off one to his farm, another to his business. It's pretty obvious the majority of the Jews gave no heed to the preaching of the. Prof- the preaching of the prof- apostles or the prophets. didn't pay attention to it. They made light of it. Now listen. With a perishing world around us, to sleep is cruel. With eternity so near at hand, it's absolutely madness not to respond. That's a quote from Matthew Henry. Did y'all hear me? With a a perishing world around us, the world... The world is is dying and the majority is going to hell and people are perishing. It is cruel to know what we know and not tell it to people. With eternity so near at hand, it's madness not to respond. Amen? Amen? They're making light of it, one going to his farm, another to his merchandise. You know what what they're saying? They had business to take care of. Luke 14, 18 through 20, you've got it. And they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So whatever of the world that we have in our hands, now think about this. Whatever the the Lord's allowed you to have, right? He's allowed you to have it. We must be sure that we keep what we've got in our hands out of our heart. Y'all want to know that that's another Matthew Henry quote? Wow, the wisdom that these men have. Let me say that again. Whatever the world we have in our hands, knowing where it came from, we need to be sure that we keep it from controlling our hearts. Verse 6, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. So y'all, y'all understand what's going on here? So uh, not only did some of them pay not attention, but there were people so incensed about this that they seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. And others took the servants, treating them rudely, even killing them. This was the Jews refusing the gospel sent to them. Revealing the hatred, the rage and the malice in their hearts. The hatred and malice that they took took out on men like Stephen and James and many others that we don't have noted. Now... I really sense that in our day and time, it's about to get that way. That there's going to be a great hatred towards those that profess the Lord Jesus Christ. We haven't had to experience it, but we very well could experience that. So look at verse 7. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. The king sending forth his armies. The king slaying the murderers signified the coming of the Roman armies and their utter destruction of Jerusalem in A.D. 70. These words speak clearly of that. Now, these are the terrible words describing the siege of Jerusalem. Y'all know what a siege is? If you don't, you ought to have been in Sunday school over the last month or so, okay? A siege is a terrible thing. Uh, You We, we have nothing to compare it to. Anyway, when uh, when a king besieged a city, Jerusalem, they would camp around it with their armies, okay? Nobody could go in and out. And this particular one I'm thinking about lasted three years, Okay? There's prophets on the inside telling the people what's going on and what's going to happen. People don't want to hear it. They don't want to believe it. Nobody goes in. Nobody goes out. When the food and water's gone, they begin to starve to death. This is what happens in a siege, okay? It's it's a terrible thing. And it was a terrible thing when Jerusalem has been besieged in the past. And in this particular case, it was a terrible thing in A.D. 70 when Rome destroyed Jerusalem. It was a terrible thing. We, we can't even fathom it because we've never experienced something like that. The slaughtering of the people, the destruction of the temple and the capital. The Romans destroyed the murderers and burned their city. Listen to me, church. No country has ever in the past nor will again, including America, reject Christ and escape judgment. It's just according on when it comes and what it's going to look like. Oh, we couldn't have a besiegement. It couldn't go down like that in America. There's no way the Muslims could take over. There's no way the Chinese could take over. Let Let me say that again. America will not openly reject Christ and escape the judgment of God. This morning, those who would not come. I mean, can you imagine how that's echoed in my ears all week long? They would not come. They would not come. They would not come. <clears throat> a king had prepared a wedded banquet, and now he sends servants to those invited to tell them it's time to come to the banquet. But they refused to come. Their refusal is obviously rude and insults the king. It is dishonoring to the king, the son and the servants. But the king is patient and he sends other servants and another invitation. Tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen, my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. But they refuse And this time, they mistreat the messengers and kill some of them. So the king sends an army to destroy the murders and burn the city. Now, the king is God on his throne of all creation. The son is his son, Jesus Christ. The marriage is the marriage supper of the Lamb. The messengers are the prophets, the, the apostles, the early preachers of the gospel. The first ones invited were the Jews. The ones later invited are the outcasts and the poor and even the Gentiles. You see the picture? It's, it's pretty clear. Look at John 1, 11 through 12. He came to His own, and His own people did not receive Him. But to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. Many of the parables of Jesus speak of the refusal of the Jews to embrace Jesus as the Messiah. They missed Him. They're still missing Him. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. It's it's mind-boggling to me that those who for so long thought they were working for the King and the Father, yet they missed the Son... Everything spoke of the Messiah to come. But he came and they missed him. It's even more amazing that today we have the history that they didn't have. We've had 2,000 more years and there's people that still miss Jesus. So what's really unique is the willful refusal to come to the banquet. Y'all know what I'm talking about? People who outwardly hear the gospel, okay, they willfully refuse to come. They dig their heels in. And they say, I shall not be moved. They obviously, from the way that they treated the messengers, had aught against the king. They despised the king. They would not come. You know what, what's really being said here? The religious leaders at that time hated Jesus. They despised him. I think it really happened when he went into the temple courtyard and threw out the money changers. You know why I think it started then? Because they saw their lucrative financial gain about to be gone. The parable four of the wicked tenants and the parable in chapter 23 to come clearly reveal that these people hated the Lord Jesus. How do we know that? Well, we know that the religious leaders... Subjects of the King of Heaven did what? They killed Christ. Look at Luke, uh, I'm sorry, Acts 7, 52 through 53. Which of the prophets did your prophets, I'm sorry, which of your prophets did your fathers not persecute? Uh, y'all know anything about the major and minor prophets? They were not necessarily treated kindly, were they? So, They hated not only Christ, but the messengers that spoke of Christ. Oh, what did he say? What did Jesus say? If they hated me, rest assured, they're going to what? Hate you. And and look, we're about to go into a period here that if you're not hated upon, (laughs) you you need to examine yourself to see if you look anything like Jesus. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they kill those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered, you who received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it, the religious leaders. <clears throat> now look the the messenger may not be killed today. you know what happens to messengers today? They just marginalize them or cancel them they they come up with the latest uh and you know, it, it, it doesn't matter if you're 80 or what what age you are. They just keep bringing up further accusations, right? Looking for one that will stick, that will cancel the person. Now y'all look, accusations, when they come against God's people, don't have to be true. Nobody's under, Nobody cares whether they're true or not that's making those accusations. Now what y'all know what's going on? If you hear it enough, it's, it's got to be what? That's what you think. There are still many today that will not come. Then we have those who make excuses, but they paid no attention and went off one to his farm, another to his business. I, I don't have time. They had things of the world to take care of, right? Uh, One had bought a field. I got to go take care of it. Another had bought five yoke of oxen. That's ten head of oxen. I've got to go look after them. Another said, I've married a wife. I cannot come. Each excuse is petty and focused on the things of this world. All right, that'd be a good word for us this morning. If our excuse for being involved in the... If our excuse for being uh, involved in the advancement of God's kingdom through the local church, if our excuse has something to do with the things of the world, we ought to pay attention. Did I say that? Did I muddy that good enough? Okay, so... If our excuses for not working in the church, being involved in the church, and and our excuse for not being about advancing his kingdom has to do with things of the world, if we're using I'm I'm this or I'm that or whatever in the world, if that's your excuse, it's flimsy. Is that not what that said? What did they say about those excuses? And that'll make us all just a little uncomfortable, right? (laughs) Every one of us, because we're living in this world. When in all honesty, the field and the oxen could wait, right? Not only that, but this was their second invitation. Not their first one, but their second one. Just as today many hear the invitation over and over and over again, and they've always got an excuse. And I'm fearful for some it might be later. How about this that Spurgeon tells? A ship owner was visited by a godly man concerned about his soul. He asked the ship owner, How is it with your soul? What is the state of your soul? And the merchant replied, Soul? I have no time to take care of my soul. I have enough to do taking care of my ships. But he was not too busy to die, which he did a week later. Did you know those ships, those oxen, those fields, those wives, even those wives, did not have to do with his eternity of his soul. And you, you just see how, how so caught up we can be with the things of this world and it has nothing to do with the eternal soul. So, I would just say this, this morning, I fear this is the case with many of us, that we may be caught up too much in the things of the world to be worried about our soul. Just this, just, just this week in the news, did you know we're living in a really evil time, a really dangerous time? Here are three deaths. Violent deaths, unprovoked attacks, killing of innocent people. A 14-year-old and a 17-year-old, I'm thinking uh, Tennessee, brutally murdered. A 21-year-old about to graduate LSU University pulled up to a railroad crossing now, this was at midnight, and let me tell you, you young ladies, you've got no business being out at midnight by yourself. Did y'all hear me? We are in wicked, evil times. Unprovoked, pulled up, stopped for a railroad crossing, and her, her car was riddled with bullets. Dead. A 37-year-old kindergarten teacher and... Uh, Evidently a serious uh, marathon runner. Uh, just another warning. 4.30 running on the streets of Men- Memphis, Tennessee is probably not the most wise thing to do. Was killed while she was being abducted. And, and we can go on more and more of these, right? So, so what, I'm, what I'm saying to this is none of us are immune to, are too busy to when God says, Come on, that we're not going to come. Now I'm not talking about to the wedding feast. I'm talking about to death. We have no say when, when the death angel comes. We're going up. Oh, wait a minute. I've got. I just. I just bought this field. Matter of fact, I've got the yokes on the oxen all ready to work. Matter of fact, I've got a new wife over here. You remember they got invited to the wedding feast? You're invited to the wedding marriage of the Lamb, right? Right. And you can say, I will not come. But when the death angel comes, you will come and you will stand before God in judgment. Work, recreation, finances, but no, no time for the care of our soul or the soul of our family and friends. No one has to murder a prophet or cancel the preacher and still miss out on coming to the Lord. I mean... You, you mean you, you don't you you don't have to murder a prophet old testament or cancel out the preacher all you've got to do is say i won't come you're going to miss out on heaven you don't come to the Lord Jesus all you have to do is fritter away over and over again y'all hear me that, hear that young people wow just think about just think about a Jeannie, you know, she, she, was, she was raised up in the church, right? And what if she just over and over and over had frittered away her opportunities? Well, one day there's an accounting, and that goes for all of us. You know, just, just think about those, those people that hear the preaching of the gospel over and over and over and over again. and they're, It's not the right time or not today, and they just fritter away another opportunity. Opportunity to repent and come to Jesus. But they would not come. Then judgment comes. Let me say again. Repent and turn to Jesus. Mm. Let, let, Let me beg you this morning. Today, repent and come to Jesus before it's eternally too late. You're being... You're you're being invited by the King of kings and Lord of lords to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You need to come.